Welcome, everybody, into another episode of the Transform Recruiting Podcast. I am your host, Brad Owens, and with me today, I've got a special treat. If you wanted to know uh, what's hot in the tech space, uh, we've got the person to talk to. This is Mr. Kevin O'Neill. Kevin, thanks so much for jumping on. Uh, No problem. Great to be here. Thanks, Brad. So before we dig in, I want to make sure everyone you know, truly understands where you're coming from, your background, and, and get a solid understanding of you yourself. So why don't you fill us in? Okay, well, I'm the Technical Research Director at Staffing Industry Analysts. So um, my, uh, I guess my sphere of influence or where, what I look at is um, uh, technology that's deployed in the staffing industry, particularly front and back office technology and any associated platforms and the kind of ecosystem surrounding that. Um, I had a previous life as a, as a CIO, so I've had um, probably close to 30 years in IT and within the staffing industry. So it's been a, uh, it's been quite a, a long and interesting journey. Yeah, no, I love it. I mean, it sounds like everything that I nerd out about, you get to do on a daily basis. So that's a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's probably a little bit different uh, when you have to uh, work on it and uh, and and get it all um, into production than nerd out about it. So I kind of, uh, I, I guess, I walk a middle line. Um, yeah, sure. It being in being in love with technology on one side, and then going, okay, well, um, I've got, uh, you know, I've had to keep this this technology in place and going, and and uh, delivering a return on investment. So, you know, it's it is a it's a fine line to walk. Yeah, sure is. That's excellent. So I know that recently you have put out a couple different uh, research studies. So um, we can talk about those and hit off the highlights just because I feel like everyone will get a whole lot of value out of that. So uh, what's the most recent uh, research that you've published? Most recent research uh, I've published is an update to uh, 2021 uh, a Global Landscape Report on, on front office software used in the staffing industry. So okay. I, I published uh, uh, that initially in, in 2001 and then did an update um, late last year. Okay. So let's, it's always helpful for me at least, and I know folks that are listening to, uh, to define what we mean when we say front office. So just so that everyone has a, uh, you know, a shared understanding of where we're starting. So what is your definition of front office? Um, a good question. Um, front office, uh, and this is particularly front office systems and staffing companies would include functionality, um, would, would include ATS functionality, applicant tracking, um, CRM, and what we call ROA, which is uh, requisition order assignment. And then as you kind of move from front into middle, you've got, um, you know, other other modules like, you know, onboarding, time and attendance. And, um, you, you know, there'll be, uh, then as you move into the back office, you'll, of course, you'll have your payroll and billing components. And you, in middle office, you might have compliance. So there's a, you know, the, the because we don't do a report on the middle office, we, we take some of the middle office functionality and report on it in the uh, in the front office and, and vice versa. When we do a back office report, we take some of the middle office functionality as it relates to, to back office tech. Yeah, that, that, is, is that middle clear? area. <laughs> yeah, that is. That middle area always blends into the others. So yeah, that makes complete it does. sense. It does. So two directions I'm curious to go in with you thinking about the front office tech. So first... Currently, what are you seeing as the uh, 
not so much differentiators because I don't I don't feel like we need to get into specific tech here. But uh, overall, what are you seeing in the landscape right now for front office? What is most of the tech focused on? What is what are firms looking to get out of front office tech? Just give us your opinion. Okay, so um, you know, I, I mostly speak to vendors. So uh, you know, my perspective will be from a, a, a someone looking to procure the tech. Um, what 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 do I need? What is it doing? Um, so, you know, the, the the thing I've noticed in the last couple of years is that there's been a lot of functionality uh, effectively thrown into the uh, the tech stack. Uh, to solve various problems associated with the pandemic. So, you know, when you look at uh, things like, you know, e-documents, when you look at, um, you know, uh, online reference checking, credentialing, a whole range of um, uh, functionality that, that, that was there before, but now it became a necessity. And so, so these are now must-haves in the, in the current environment driven by the, you know, demand in the pandemic. But I think what's happened is, and certainly I've, I've seen this over the in, in the last updated report, the, there's been a real push to improve the user experience because a lot of that functionality was put in probably without too much thought for whether it really suited the recruiter. It was really driven by necessity. So um, what I'm seeing is a, a real effort, I think, to refine and improve um, the functionality to make it much easier for the recruiter to uh, to to use some of those. Uh, applications and some of that new tech that's being deployed. So that's kind of the main thing that came out of the most recent report. Lots of lots of companies um, and lots of sorry, lots of vendors in the market really putting out new new UI um, and and really improving the you know what they had in place rather than pushing new tech into it. That that uh, I think that's probably the the landscape at the moment. Sure. And I agree because I'm not noticing a whole lot of revolutionary change right now with tech. I'm noticing much more of a refinement kind of period and you know tiny little additions that that these vendors are throwing in. Did anything I guess obviously the pandemic changed things between the last time you did the the overview and then now. But did anything stick out to you and surprise you whether it was something that they did or did not do? Look, nothing, nothing specifically, um, nothing specifically surprised me. I, th- I think, um, uh, with regards to the technology in terms of functionality, but what did surprise me was how quickly some uh, companies were able to scale with their existing technology, particularly in the healthcare field. You know, they, you know, we had some some companies, you know, go from you know tens of millions to hundreds of millions and and uh, many hundreds of millions of dollars in turnover in a very short period of time, without seemingly putting a lot of stress on their on their technology stack. So they seemed to have applications in place and good foundations that enabled them to grow uh, and extend their capabilities quite quickly. So probably that's what su- surprised me, the capability of some of the existing systems to deal with what was a very, um, you know, a very different environment. And, you know, we always talk about uh, deploying technology that can scale, but often, you uh, uh, staffing companies don't think 
in terms of growing that quickly. I mean, they think of growing, but not 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 kind of in the in the astronomical and exponential way it did during the in the pandemic. So so that surprised me how well some of these companies were able to you know keep keep the lights on um, when they're doubling and tripling. Um, you know their their turnover on a monthly basis. I mean that might that was that's that's quite some challenge. I think. Yeah, I remembered uh, last year, almost a year ago now, at the SIA leadership conference, uh, the exec forum. I remember talking about this and how companies are doing well, and then all of a sudden, someone takes the stage and talks about their healthcare staffing, and there's something like 10x the industry averages and everything. I'm like, how in the world did you do that? So since everyone came out of the conference with that, I'm sure you saw a lot of, of similar stories. So you mentioned having the right kind of foundation in place to allow for uh, that kind of growth. What sort of things are you, do you feel like need to be in place to allow for that? Well, I think, you know, really, uh, you know, foundations are important. So, you know, having, having applications, of course, in, in the cloud where you can, where, where, you know, you, you know, you can grow your compute power without, without um, too many issues. I think integration is really important. If you have a lot of manual processes somewhere in between, you know, between front, middle and back office, well, that's going to be a limiting factor because you, you've got to throw more people at uh, processing timesheets or doing billing work or whatever it is. And so having, having a really solid um, uh, integration framework in place, I think, you know, that, that, that's going to um, be pretty important. So, you know, the two things, I, I mean, it's been able to scale the application so you don't have any bottlenecks and two, having, um, you know, the, the, a, a good integration, um, probably a two-way integration with this visibility from, you know, back to front office and vice versa so that you can not only deliver to the, to the customers, uh, but you can also process your payroll and billing if you're if you're in that space. And I think I think one more um, is having a good mobile presence. Um, if you already had that in place, uh, that was going to be pretty important because you were, you know, you were having to reach uh, uh, people without you know, face-to-face um, meetings and interviews. So I've been able to do all of the documentation, all of the interviewing remotely was was essential. And, if, and with, a, with a good mobile presence, if you had that in place already, then to scale it wasn't uh, too much of a problem. If you had to then deploy that uh, in the midst of um, that, that uh, growth, that could have taken quite some time. Yeah. You, know, you raised a good point there with the integrations. So the last interview that I did, if everyone wants to go back and look at the interview with John Bernadovich, we talked about integration a little bit and how there's kind of these two levels of integration. And I'll just I'll use the software terminology just because this is what I think most people understand. So to me, there's the we'll call it Zapier level where, hey, we've got these pre-integrations built in. If you just say, yep, I'm a subscriber to this, and yep, I'm a subscriber to that, we'll do most of the work for you. But that comes with limitations. It comes with, it obviously can't do everything. It's not going to be super customized. And then you've got this other level where it takes almost like a system integrator. You need to hire some sort of contractor to come in and really tie these APIs really closely together. And... I feel like a lot of people are not getting enough from the Zapier level that just hey point and click, but they get overwhelmed thinking about the other level of things. Do you feel like there's a, a low hanging fruit from an integration perspective that people should focus on first? Uh, 
Yeah, good question. Um, look, I think you've you've summarised the the dilemma uh, quite well there. You know, the the you know the, to take uh, a very straightforward integration out of the box, put it in place. You know, most most people will see that as being pretty straightforward, and and it will deliver something for you. Um, uh, as you start as you start to scale, the requirements become more complex. Um, you start to find that you need to have some logic at, at either end for one reason and another. You need to have two-way integration in place. You need to have fields uh, because you're doing something specific that is that is that is not uh, that's not available as part of the out-of-the-box um, uh, integrations. So you then start to, to require um, uh, more and more. Um, kind of complexity around around the integration. I, I think that the the main thing for me is to make sure that that in, if if you're in the the temp payroll space and uh, and you've got a, a growing um, uh, temp base, is to have that integration between front and back office very solid, so that you're getting um, that that. Everything is being done at the at the front office by the consultant. Most of the most of the things and the information is passing through, and that there's good communication between the back office to the front office, so recruiters have visibility of what's happening um, and any gaps in the information that they require from their the workers or uh, or applicants. So I think uh, for me, putting that in place, and then you have a time and attendance component. If you can get good integration with the time and attendance side, and particularly two way integration. So if you've got um, uh, a requirement to to work with, uh, you know, uh, VMS systems, um, you know, been able to get timesheets uh, from from those in India system very easily and validated, it's going to be a big advantage. So so I think that, that pro- probably for me that again that foundation part, uh, part which is really uh, between front and back and middle, um, that's the focus. And that I feel like once you have some of those integrations in place, being able to leverage those throughout the process is going to pay serious dividends and allow for that 10x scale. It's it's the only way to do it. Yeah, that's right. So the the, the data being um, uh, easy to work with from one end to the other, and it and it being reliable and it being complete and it being you know really good quality up to up to kind of payroll processing quality from back to front. If you've got that, it's it's a really really good adv- advantage, I think. And it's something that's not only super easy to get wrong, but really rough when you do because you know the other person who's getting that paycheck is looking to it down to the penny. To make Correct. sure that it's one hundred percent perfect, so yeah, that's a that's a tough one. That's one that most people wants to get right for straight from the yeah. start. Uh, so that was one. I appreciate you going into depth on that one for the more of the front office stuff. Um, let's talk about the other report that you had out. Uh, hit me with the highlights from that one. That was the uh, back office. Um, so a little, uh, qu- quite a different environment. Uh, the back office. Uh, or, sorry, quite a different landscape. Uh, so not so many players. Um, not so much requirement for you know your HR or, or recruitment tech to be integrated. So um, uh, so you know it, it's probably it hasn't developed at the uh, at the pace that that uh, you know the ATS CRM environment and associate environment has. So um, so I found that there were less players in that space. Um, companies probably didn't their staffing companies probably didn't change their tech so much in the in the back office um 
And interestingly, there weren't so many global players, quite difficult. Uh, for instance, if you look at the payroll space, for example, to, uh, to, to really genuinely deliver a global payroll solution that could be configurable for each jurisdiction. So, you know, there was a, a mix of uh, uh, kind of local solutions for, for back office, I find more than, um, you know, more than, than global solutions, but some, some, some very good um, uh, technology available. I think if you look at uh, the US market, for example, if you have to process a, a, a in the back office, you know, you're looking at California being the most complex um, environment. And then if you look to Australia, Australia is probably California on steroids. So some of the um, technology coming in the back office that comes out of, of Australia is actually quite suitable for, uh, uh, you know, a, a more global deployment if it's, you know, rules-based and flexible and can be configured for different um, for different environments, so there are some, you know, there there are some uh, there, there are some good applications around for the back office, but again, mostly local. Yeah, and it makes complete sense because, like you said, California, Australia, everywhere's got their own um, th- their own. I won't call them issues. What do I want to? We'll say regulations. There, regulations. Yep. Yeah. yeah, that has kept payroll individuals in fantastically lucrative roles because they have to know the ins and the outs and they are the ones that are processing all of this stuff. I've heard a lot of uh, interesting opinions from those that have been, uh, you know, the go-to payroll person to now turning over all of this to to tech. Uh, it's, it's very interesting, but I keep talking to those individuals about scale, 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 scale. Like It works when you're hiring at low volume. But what happens when you're not? How do we make sure that you're not going to work a 90-hour work week to try and keep up with everything? And yeah, it it starts becoming a nightmare to think about all of the things you have to keep up with and all the things that have to be in that tech. Uh, But what are some of the things you found that have been in those back office pieces of software, those types of features that stand out and and make someone want to choose one um, particular piece of software over another? Um, I think one of the, the the really key things is been able to process to be able to configure without code a lot of the rules associated with processing payroll. So um, if you can if you have a rules engine that a, a you know reasonably trained payroll person can can configure to 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 take a timesheet and calculate up a timesheet and generate a gross pay. Um, that that that's really key, and there are some systems that do that very well. Um, and you can go down to the kind of nth degree on uh, uh, on granularity on a timesheet, and you can uh, uh, pick up and process that that, that timesheet um, without human intervention, other than the, the initial configuration of the rules. So, to me, if you've got that in place, um, it's uh, it's a it's a really powerful. Um, part of the stack, um, particularly if you need to scale. So, because that, that, you know, that's, that's a lot of, uh, where, where the knowledge of a payroll person goes into it. So, you know, calculating a timesheet, understanding all the rules, but almost all of those rules are, are configurable. So, um, you can put them in, in place in the, in, 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 in the stack and get, uh, an almost automated end to end payroll function, but it takes some yeah. effort. There's no doubt about that. 
Absolutely. Yeah. But that rules engine, I mean, that's like someone's brain in a piece of software. And it's just a almost like a if then type statement creation that you're making. Uh, and it's it's changing people's worlds for sure. So you are able to see across a lot of the tech space. You're interfacing with a lot of the major players. You are um, understanding what buyers are going to be looking for out of all of this. What are you excited about for recruiting tech? In the next year or so, what's what's interesting to you? It's it's really interesting to see what um, the the AI space, uh, what's going to happen in the AI, AI space. Um, mm-hmm. You know, everyone talks about Chat GPT, and sure. and you know, a couple of years ago, when I when I looked at the impact of AI on the systems, that's in in twenty twenty one when I did that first report. You, it wasn't really clear that they were adding a huge amount of benefit in in any areas other than you know the search and match uh, side of things. So there was, um, uh, you know, you could see that. That, that 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 was there was a genuine um, benefit there, but but nothing outside that. And then a lot of um, you know a lot of talk about Chat G, GPT, and I and I've seen a uh, uh, you know some demos of of applications that can hold a voice a voice conversation, um, you know, an onboarding conversation or an interview end to end without deviating off track in, in the way that, um, you know, the, the uh, chat bots and uh, the voice bots had done in the past. So that was really impressive. So I'll be really interested to see how that technology then augments what a recruiter can do and, and how staff and companies start to use it because it's got numerous applications, you know, from writing ads to enhancing resumes to, to um, you know, compiling job specifications. So, you know, it's, it's, it, it, it opens up a lot of avenues and it'll be really interesting to see, will it really make a difference? And I think um, probably the staffing companies that are, that are clever about how they implement it will, will see some benefits and really understand what it can do. Those that might try and, you know, replace a recruiter with it, um, you know, might, might struggle in getting the, uh, the uptake. You know, it's really interesting that you mentioned the end to end interview conversations when I will give someone an example, if they wanted to go have some fun with ChatGPT. So what I did is I took the text of a, uh, a job description and I put it in a ChatGPT. I said, here's a job that I'm looking to hire for. And I just pasted it in and it understood it. I said, what do you think this person needs to know how to do? And they came back with a couple little things. Uh, and then I put in a, a, the text of a resume. I said, here's someone who's applying for this specific job. Where do you see gaps? And then I let it list them out. And then I said, what do you, questions could you ask to identify if this person had those skills or not? And it busted out like five or six different questions. And to me, I went, okay, this isn't replacing a recruiter, but if I had a recruiter that was fresh in seat, who was just sitting down for their first month on the job, and I needed them to be able to ask intelligent questions about identifying gaps in this person's resume, that would be a game changer. And hmm. it wouldn't have to actually have the conversation. Just give me the conversation prompts. And I went, ooh, there's something here. Yeah. So I'm with you. I think there is some fun that we can have with that. Um, I agree with you. I don't think it's going to truly replace because I haven't yet found a AI that I can have a relationship with and that can persuade me. Um, mm-hmm. It's not to say it can't learn how to do that. But currently, I feel like that's one of the gaps. Um, 
But yeah, I think once that becomes more of a reality and is more in our space, you and I need to talk about that a little bit more because that that one's exciting to me. Yeah, yeah, uh, it'll be very it'll be very interesting to see how it how it plays out. You know, it's it, it's starting to be ad- adopted in various places, and um, you know, I was interested in seeing uh, a, a demo of a product that had a um, you know could conduct a, a voice conversation. So um, and and uh, introduce so ring up someone, introduce them themselves as a virtual uh, uh, a virtual recruiter and go through a screening uh, conversation with with a person with all the intricacies that that uh, you know people on the on the phone typically have um, without going off track now that was just a couple of examples but if you can get that uh, enabled consistently um, you know via AI then it's it's quite a powerful tool to allow uh, screening to be to be happening with um, you know with candidates um, you know 24 hours I mean if you can ring people 24 hours probably it would be a good idea but but certainly it can it can take an individual recruiter and and make them much more productive you know, by having a virtual assistant sitting alongside them yeah, if I'm a recruiter at an international corporation where I could have interviews that happen when I'm not working and then show up in the morning and say, here's the summary of the past 10 interviews that have happened. I mean, wow, that's yeah. just unreal. Uh, well, that's amazing. Thank you so much for coming, Kevin, and sharing some of your insight on this. Uh, if people wanted to find more about you and your work and what you're doing, where would you like to send them? Uh, they can go to the SIA website. Um, uh, our, all, all our research is there. All the information that uh, that we provide uh, for our members, and there is some, um, you know, f- free research that's available there. But it gives a summary of basically on what we do. Okay, I will send them there. That link will be in the description as well. Are you okay if I link people to your LinkedIn as well? Please feel free to. All right, perfect. We'll reach out there. Uh, if you have any other questions, you can pass them along to hello at bradowens.com or you can just visit the website at transformrecruiting.com and put in a question there. Hope to see you on the next episode. And Kevin, thank you so much for putting time in. Uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you. No problem. Thanks for inviting me on.